Don't touch that dial. You're tuned in to the Dread Podcast Network. You are now listening to Postmortem with Mick Garris, where the most influential voices in horror cinema will spill their guts to the renowned horror director, writer, and producer. Now, here's your host, Mick Garris. Out now from dread, midnight. In midnight, fear grips South Korea as a serial killer, Squid Game's Wee Ha Joon, stalks its streets. When Kyung Mi, a deaf woman, stumbles upon someone bleeding out in a dark alley, she's become witness to one of the killer's brutal crimes. Now Kyung Mi is being ruthlessly hunted down. Will she survive, or is she doomed to become his next victim? Directed by Kwon Oh Seung, Midnight is available right now on demand and Blu-ray. Check it out. From Nice Guy Productions World Headquarters overlooking the glamorous San Fernando Valley, I'm Mick Garris and this is Postmortem. We are celebrating the 25th anniversary. April of 1997 was the premiere of the miniseries version of The Shining. And to help celebrate is the star of The Shining, Mr. Steven Weber. Hello out there. (laughs) And the Oscar-winning makeup effects uh, director of uh, everything that was done on The Shining, uh, Mr. William Corso. Billy, welcome. I'm so excited to be here. And a little bit later, we'll have a special guest uh, who uh, makes a cameo appearance. So uh, the beginning of this project was really complicated because we went out to so many actors and every one of them was terrified by being compared to Jack Nicholson. We were three days in advance of shooting and we still had not cast our Jack Torrance yet. Was it We'd that? Had, was it that really? It was three days. We had one British actor, whose name I will not mention, mm. agree to do it. And then he never got back to us. We could never reach him again. He just disappeared into the void. Whatever happened to Ian McKellen? <laughs> I was going to say. So just... three days before shooting was to begin, we had one read set up. We had an actor come in to audition for us. And King said, if this doesn't work out, I'm pulling the plug and we're not going to make it. And that actor is Steven Weber. And... The performance, I don't know how we could have made this movie without Weber. The performance is so fantastic. It has nothing to do with what had come before. And it was nothing like I'd ever seen Weber do before. I'd known him mostly for comedy. So, Steve, you're a King fan in advance of this. Tell me about how you were contacted and what your experience felt like on your end of that audition. Ah, uh, well... Um, I mean, I was, perhaps to my detriment, um, a person that really didn't think a lot of things through. And by that, I mean... Well, that's not a bad thing. Well, it it can serve a person. It served me in certain respects. But when I got this audition, I didn't think of it in terms of uh, being compared with Jack Nicholson, let's say. Um, it just struck me that it was a great role and seemed accessible. And I wasn't aware at the time, I think, of the pressure that you just described. Of, yeah. Uh, 
So I just came in and was fairly loose. Um, and I, I, I don't know if it was the first time I came in or maybe the second time I came in that you and Rebecca de Mornay and Stephen King were there. That was the first time. That was okay. Yeah. So it was the first time, and walking into that room was daunting. But I guess by that time I had done enough daunting or auditions uh, that I I wasn't thrown by it. And 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 I have to tell you that everybody in that room made me feel very at ease. Well, you did that for us because you blew us away. We yeah. thought we can make this movie That's now nice. and not just make it, but make it well. We have the perfect cast member for this. Now, I wish I'd cut my hair, though. My <laughs> hair is too long. Like I refuse to cut my hair. I don't know why. Yeah, I, I can identify. Yeah, I know. That's right. <laughs> but these were muscles i'd never seen you exercise before on screen you know i'd seen you in single white female and i'd seen uh, some of your comedy performances but i'd never see you go so deep into something like this so t tell me how jack torrance was a challenge for you or your approach to that well for the reasons you just elucidated i uh, i mean I, I had not had that much experience doing deeper roles um uh, it presented a, a, a cool challenge for me because I'd been associated chiefly with uh, being kind of um, affable womanizers on wings mm -hmm. or just kind of wisecracking um, jerks. Uh, again, affable. But um, it was exciting. It was exciting. And uh, while I was a King fan, I don't think I'd ever really read the book. Oh, so Shining. your only experience of it was through the Nicholson was through the Kubrick, Kubrick film, film. and yeah. then I uh, and then I had found um, uh, another. I, I guess it was before this. I don't know, but I, look, obviously, I was a fan of his and uh, and was aware of the the King world. But listen, I, I the, the script was great. It was again, it was it was very uh, adult. It was and also. The miniseries format gave everybody a chance to develop their characters yeah. and to take their time a little bit. And you, as the director, paced it so that it was, you know, nothing was, um, it wasn't so condensed and edited and rushed that uh, it felt unnatural. There was a real progression into these characters. Well, in my case, his alcoholism and his madness and all that. And Rebecca's case was her dismay and her growing fear and subsequent strength and all those things i mean and, and i and i can imagine even creatively it must have been a little different than doing a film in some respects completely and the great news was that stephen king himself had adapted yeah. the uh screenplay he wrote the script himself he was there every he, day he was not happy with the kubrick film mm -hmm. and when the stand which we had done three years earlier was such a huge success yeah. abc came to him and said what do you want to do next mm. and he said i'd really like a chance at doing the shining mm. as a tribute to the book and as the story was told well what you if i can jump in what Please. what what stephen did which i thought was amazing was that he instantly brought to it the 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 loving father aspect that's in the book which was never in the movie and right. in, it instantly gave us a completely different project and something so much closer to what Stephen wrote, which I think is probably why you guys were all so happy that they look like a loving family. 
you know. Absolutely. And, and, and to your point, the fact that we were so spread out and we had so much time, you grew acting wise organically into the, you know, the father part and the nice and you were, we were playing with the kid, you know, the, mm. you know, the, the, the young actor. What was his name again? Cortland. Uh, Cortland. Reed. Cortland. Yeah, yeah right, Cortland right. was great. And we had so much fun playing with Cortland and it became like this beautiful little family. Yeah. And, and then through the progression of shooting, you were able to like grow into all the other stuff that started to come because we kind of baby stepped into it. You know, there was a little, little nightmare visions here and there. Yeah, but we were able to, for the most part, uh, shoot in sequence. Yeah, no, it was amazing. Which is a rare occasion. Now we had to shoot the winter stuff first, and then come back for the mm. spring stuff to to the hotel, that the Stanley Hotel, which was what the location that originally inspired King to write the book, mm. and where it took place, it gave it so much veracity. But being able to shoot and live in a very enclosed. Mm environment you know most uh, the stand was uh, 120 locations this was a half a dozen yeah but and, and we there, and we stayed at that's a that's an, an important point that we stayed at the hotel yeah at man. the actual haunted hotel it was scary fighting was. over which haunted room to stay in <laughs> yes right. and and the first night i stayed there and scouted i stayed in room 217 of course, yeah. you did. Yeah, of course i did <laughs> but now weber you didn't stay there the whole time well because yeah the crew started pranking you they did yeah well Tell we me, tried I, pranking I, the crew i mean it was something, I well it was a two-way street we tried to scare <laughs> people you know uh because uh, there was great fun to be had i mean you know it late at night and people running down the hallways and yeah you know but that there was the one room right it was if it was 217 yeah. where everybody was trying to get into right and i just remember that my one story i remember was the art department guy who got stayed in it and he he the next morning at breakfast we, we were told that in the middle of the night the room got freezing cold and all his covers were ripped off and he left the room and he never went back and then they wouldn't let anybody stay in it anymore because i remember <laughs> wanting to stay in it really yeah. badly yeah, yeah and they wouldn't let us well i mean my experience was that originally i wasn't staying there originally right they gave you a we nice had this kind of chalet and it yeah. was it was about a mile away from the set and everything mm. and that creeped me out and I felt really isolated yeah uh, and so I ended up going back to the hotel going to the hotel and getting a room and the first couple of nights I had a room which was quite beautiful it had a little sitting area it had um, a bedroom off the den and 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 I got freaked out because it was old and I I just convinced myself that I would just be I'd have to wake up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom and there sitting in a chair would be a man with a celluloid collar and a little mustache just looking at me. Not boo, but I, I, I just psyched myself out to the point where I was moved to a, a big room that had no other rooms except a bathroom. And that's where I spent the majority of the, the shoot, um, desperate to go to sleep often because I, yeah. I was really afraid. And I know it was self-generated, but... That place was spooky, and you're yeah. also the mindset you're in. That was his character. Yeah, yeah, you know, you're you you start to live your part, and he's degenerate going into madness oh, from God. the hotel. So, you know, it's hard to separate. You know, I can't. I don't know what an actor goes through, but well, you it did was, such a good job. I can imagine. Yeah, it, it, it was so <laughs> incredible to actually be in the actual location. Yeah. Although we built sets yeah. in Denver um, uh, that we went to for a lot of the interiors of the rooms, uh, including room 217. Mm. 
uh, and the apartment uh, the Torrances lived in. Yeah. Uh, those were sets, but so much of the work was done in the hotel and all of it was done in the location, in Boulder. Uh, all of that stuff, the veracity of it was so great. But you told me, Steve, that it was very personal to you. Some of what Jack's experiences were felt really uncomfortably close to you yeah i i and 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 yet i'm looking at looking back i realized that i had not fully understood the nuances of the story especially in regards to alcoholism in Mm. regards to a person's mental you know decay in a sense um and yeah, it, it definitely reminded me of some things that had occurred in my life, having to do with my dad and stuff. I mean, he uh, he wasn't a monster. <laughs> he didn't chase <laughs> us around with a, a croquet mallet, uh, although he would have liked to, I'm sure. But he, was, <laughs> he wasn't athletic enough to. <laughs> you could have taken him down. Yeah, I could have taken him down. Yeah. Um, but look, the, the thing about this script... The thing about the our version of it was that it was personal. You know, there were all these beautiful scenes that I thought were were quite lovely between um, uh, Rebecca and I, uh, that were quiet and and intimate and and desperate and and yearning. You know, and and in a way that wasn't in the quote original Kubrick film. Right. However wonderful that film was there was just menace perpetual menace bum 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 all the time all the time all the time right this uh laid the foundation for the trouble which was to come like you say there was real love there was real family like billy said being mm. built and and i i, I in, in a way i enjoyed doing those scenes and those were most touching to me the other scenes of monstrous imagery and, and acting out those were fun. Believe me, they were fun. Yeah. But if I had a chance to go back and do it again, I would approach it differently because I was so excited to wear unbelievable makeup and to have incredible direction and to be a monster and yeah. and walk the, the, the hallways and with this fantastic you know, aspect that was so terrifying. I neglected to remember that this was really about a person who's unwell. Yeah. And and in the throes of this addiction. And it was years later where I realized that. You've yeah. said that to me before, but yeah. I'm so glad we got you when we got you. <laughs> because uh, I can't imagine it played in a different way. And yeah, it may be exaggerated villainy, mm. but it's it's in a sense of how he's seeing himself being taken over by this power as well. And I can rationalize this yeah. very well. Um, but... If, if I can tell you, maybe my favorite scene in the whole movie, it's one act from beginning to end. It's you and Rebecca in front of the fireplace. That's exactly what I was thinking of. And that, it's already well into Jack's descent. That's right. But he's fighting so hard for his humanity to yeah. bring it back. And she's being seductive with him That's and right. trying hard. And there's this rich, dramatic sense of beautiful trying to to rebuild what is being chipped away. So tell me a little bit about how you approach that. Oh, gosh. Well, I mean, how I approached it. I, first of all, I, I don't think enough credit is given to Rebecca. 
yeah. Mornay. Uh, well, her character was completely different from how it was portrayed in right. the Kubrick film. King wrote a very strong woman yes. character. Not and a played screaming by a very Mimi. Strong, you know, yeah. not, and, and, yeah. and again, as wonderful as Shelley Duvall was. Yeah. Uh, Rebecca gave great depth and nuance to it. And also it was evident in the writing. Um, yeah. I mean, my approach was just to play it truthfully. You know, the, the, the again, the monsters that were soon to appear or had begun to appear were not really present in that scene. He was talking about plans for the future, as I recall. He was talking mm -hmm. about what he needed to do, you know, as a father and as a as a man. And she was she just wanted him to to be present and to love her and to be the old Jack. And and they were they were not connecting at the moment. And it was beautifully staged in front of a, a fireplace, you know, yeah, crackling fire. And I, I remember that that night. It was, a, you know, we took our time doing it. It was pretty. We did. Scene. It was yeah. one day yeah, for yeah, that yeah, scene. Yeah, it's yeah. an eight-minute scene. Yeah, and it's the only thing we shot. It's two people talking. Yeah, and, good. you know, there was a lot of thought put into that. There are so many colors in what Jack Torrance goes through in that sequence, mm. and I wanted to play it in a way that Rebecca is lit by the fire yeah. and it's warm yeah. and you are lit by the moon and the snow mm -hmm. and it's very cold. And there's a transition between those two colors mm -hmm. as you change places in your approach to and from the couch. And when you settle in, you know, the use of color is such an important element in painting a picture in a movie. You are very good. He is good. You are good. He's uh, good. Yeah. Wow. But moon. that's part of the job. You know? Shelly helped a little bit. Shelley yeah, yeah Shelly Johnson, yeah. Amazing, DP, amazing DP, you know, best best I've ever worked with. And I hope great, to do great it again. Group. Great group on that. And yeah. that was a great night. I remember that really well. Yeah. Well, in creating the monster side of Jack, Billy, tell me what your approach was. I, well, I had very little to do. Look at him. What? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know, you, what's interesting is he... You know, I, if if we if I can liken it to the shark and jaws, um, no, but but you know you you have all these grand ideas. You know, at, we had done the stand together, right. and we had Your great Emmy, success. Emmy winning, Emmy winning makeup yeah. on the sand. Thank you very much, and we had great success with that. So here I'm thinking, wow, we are going to really. This, I I also have to point out real quickly. This was a monumental movie for me because this movie happened to be my very first movie as the boss. I was right. the department head. Right. And that was the very first one, my professional job. On the stand, uh, then, you were under Steve Johnson. Well, I was and, under, I had a yeah, boss and yeah. and, uh, and they were non-union movies. This was a union movie. Then I was, I got to be in charge. So it was, it was very, I really wanted to do a good job for you, of course. Um, so I was very excited to do what at the time probably would have been far too much for the film. You know, we were all excited. Yeah. But that getting cast at the last moment hinders you a little bit. Like, oh, oh we can't. Yeah get life cast and we can't do all this crazy stuff. So whatever we do, I'm a little restricted in that I can only go so far with it, which wound up being such a blessing, I think, because, you know, you keep all of Steven and we, we got to do things very subtly to him, you know, and, and of course, when you're reading a script and you're breaking it down and these are the actual events that occur to him, you know, because at the end I was really demonic and he was, he's a monster. I mean, because in my head, as rooted in reality as he was and you wanted him to be, there's very fantastical elements to the movie. There's the topiary and there's, you know, and, and, and so I, I thought we had the ghost know, ball and the yeah. ghost ball. And we, yeah. so we had um, room to play visually. So I was just going to go crazy, but, 
but being a little restrictive was like, okay, well, he, we know he gets, you know, hit by the mallet. And so he's going to swell up and that gives me a little room to play. And then he's going to be bloody and maybe we can make the blood make that look a little arty. And so by, by sticking close to the reality and, and trying to impart a little fantastical element to it, we came up with some looks that were, you know, really, you know, impressive as opposed to just, you know, it's a, diehard movie and bruce willis has got cuts and bruises all over right. his face steven actually starts to look very and we did little he and i played because he's such a fan of of you know makeup and 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 getting into looks and everything and he and i were, were talking lon cheney and we're mm-hmm. so we snuck in all these little details changing his eyebrows and all these little tiny tweaks that made him kind of demonic looking. Well, and there were several stages. We to did. His we had descent. many different looks, and we did have the nightmare scene. You know where he we we really did a. You know, I, I liken it to the that great nightmare scene in American Werewolf when Jack's oh, in the woods. Right. You know, right? Uh, or uh, where, uh, yeah, uh, um, David Naughton's in the woods, and and so he had that wonderful, amazing, you know, uh, uh, nightmare scene. But but so we got to really tweak him. So by the end, what I thought would really be great is where we we really kind of change his face subtly so that he is so horrific and 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 everything plays well but at the very very end when he has his moment of of clarity that it, it was less than we we got we cheated everything a little right. bit back and he right. was human again and he looked better right. a little bit and there was this at the boiler yeah the boiler and and that was really cool for me you know um so yeah it was it, it wound up giving us every beat that we that the movie needed well, I'll tell you that this is the only project I feel like I had. You can always use more time and money. It's the only thing in 30 years of directing that I felt like I had the resources to make the movie we wanted to make. We had the time for makeup department, for the actors to really build their characters and the script that allowed that to take place during the production. Warner Brothers was very supportive. Mm. Um, you know, we shot 72 days, $21 million yeah. uh, for three parts. And it was, it's amazing to feel like you don't have to really tighten your belt every single day of the production, but you could allow these things to grow and blossom and become fully what they should be. It was, it, I'll tell you something, after The Stand, which I thought at the time was such a well-organized machine for such a huge project and granted i hadn't that much experience yet but by the time we did the shining it was you you, it was so well designed and organized and you know it it didn't want for much i mean you you, it was all laid out perfectly and like you said the amount of time the craftsmen that were all involved were excellent you know it was it was it just flowed really nicely you know it was not like some films i've done many films since where it's like uh, you know the organization, the money, the the time, the this, the that, you know, there's always something lacking or you wish you could have. That one was not. That one was did really feel like we had it. And, and it's important for everyone to feel like they're part of the same team and they're going for the same goal and that they're creating something special. So, Steve, how did it feel to be walking into something that had already been trod uh, by one of the great filmmakers of all time and having it been a huge successful movie and iconic to be going into that and trying something new. Again, I didn't approach it with any um, trepidation or comparisons. 
again, maybe that's good. Maybe it's not so good. Well, I thought we all had a blind confidence. Ours was going to be way better. <laughs> well, <laughs> and, and well, but here's the thing. I mean, it, it's I, I, it was. I don't want to say it was just a job, but it was an opportunity for me to work with all you amazing artists. And just try to be as truthful as possible, truthful to the, the to the text and to the story. And um, and you, you know, Mick. Um, one of the things you did was you gave everybody, not only the actors, but again the crew and the artisans and the the craftspeople, the environment, the landscape in which to do that. Um, well, the the fact that we all, you know, pretty much all lived. Either in the in that hotel or environs surrounding, yep. made it great. You know, we really were a kind of a small country, yeah, unto ourselves. A and circus. Stephen King at one point called it, it the Black Circus. The Black Circus. <laughs> you know, it, well, yeah, one one great. thing w- that was wonderful and that uh, made it extra fun was having him on the set as often as he was. Yeah, he was there for two thirds of the show. Oh, oh, uh, yeah, that's right. And, and his, writing. The Green, the green Mile, mile. Yeah. as oh, yeah. we were doing. He would give me pages. Oh, my God. Like, he'd give me 30 pages. Look what I wrote today. And I, He I, would read some of it to us. Yeah. yeah. yeah it was really Can great. I tell you my little story? I must have told you this a thousand Please. times. Please. Um, and while I while we were doing it, I was reading The Shining as we were going on. Uh-huh. And, and that was thrilling to me because I'd be up in my room and downstairs you guys would be shooting and it was... And, Stephen King was stalking around and always <laughs> reading something. Like he always had something always had under his arm. In his hand. And he's always. six foot five and yeah. he's holding the book in his hand. He stands out. And he's so affable. He's, he's an yeah. affable dude. Um, and I, I read this little passage, this little couplet that uh, in the book that was something like, um, Medoc, are you here? I'm sleepwalking again, my dear. The vines are crawling under the rug. And I thought, what is this? This is poetic. This is strange. It's making me feel nervous, but it's beautiful. <laughs> hey, there's a living author downstairs. Stephen King's downstairs. I'm going to go and find And I found him. And I remember, and I said, Steve, I'm so excited. What does this mean? Medoc, are you here? I'm sleepwalking again, my dear. The vines are moving on the road. I said, all right, well, all right, let's see. He took the book and he said, oh, Medoc. Yeah, well, that was a wine. Yeah, I was probably drinking it. All right, I uh, 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 sleepwalking again, my dear. Yeah, wine was probably affecting my sleep. I probably uh, probably had to go up to go take a leak. I don't know. Uh, vines are moving on the rugs. Yeah, it probably was while I was typing. I looked down and there was a vine pattern on the rug, and I just typed it. Here you go. And he went and he gave the book back to me, and I was both incredibly disappointed, but also thrilled yeah. to find out that you know one of my one of my literary heroes was. Was just a human being, you know, and and it was a funny peek into, you know, what what we what I assume to be uh, would have been so um, um, uh, inspired and beautiful, and it was really, I don't want to say it was nothing, but it was just one thing that he used to yeah it was to, mundane. to paper that yeah it was mundane yeah uh, and he it filled the but he made it into poetry oh my god yeah. i mean it was beautiful in yeah in his hands the genius of his observatory you know mind you know like every time i was with him and he just walking with him in in a matter of 20 feet he would say or observe something that was like oh my god <laughs> you know, with that mind and how he saw things, you know, at one point, and I think I told you, Mick, he said to me, 
you know, we responding to a, something we did bloody. And he was like, you guys are, you guys are sick. <laughs> we, all you wrote sick. it. We're yeah. just, yeah, yeah, yeah. we're just <laughs> elucidating. Right. Exactly. But, but you know, the, the fact that he was there, I think, you know, I think that's what, that's, that was the energy and the fuel for yeah. the film that we wanted to please him. Yeah. yeah. Ultimately. Me too. And, yeah. and yeah. of course, yeah. and, yeah. and, yeah. and the fact that we felt so proud that we were doing his version, yeah. you know, that's what put the other movie out of our mind is that, you know, we were doing the definitive Stephen King version that he was excited about. And it was so different than the other. And we were starting from scratch. Yeah. It was yeah. so easy to forget yeah. the other movie. Like, yeah. Yeah. like he was playing such a different Jack than Nicholson's Jack was like you, it, the more he played it real, like a loving father and everything, like what was in the book, you're, you, the other one just became a cartoon. Yeah. Right. You just you dismissed know, it. The Kubrick version is a great Kubrick film, but it's not a great interpretation of yeah, King. That's Stephen right. King. And they, right. they are very, we've talked about this many times before, how their temperatures are opposite of one another. Mm -hmm. You know, King is very warm. Kubrick's very cold. Mm. Um, but Steve, more than any other thing I've seen you in since or before, you're in virtually every scene in this four and a half hours mm. of film. So... What was that responsibility like to you? How did that feel? Because usually you've got days off. You, you know, yeah. you, you're part of a a cast, uh, an ensemble. Here, this was almost a one man show. God, I got to go back and watch this thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have to be truthful here, Mick. Uh, I I was a young actor and kind of callow, and I had a degree of success i guess as it can be defined in that i was working uh, i made some money and had some minor celebrity and everything and and some ability but you had I, a confidence about you which was great well i i have to say if i had a confidence it was because i was with people who were also confident mm -hmm. who were ebullient and who were who were enthusiastic about this mm -hmm. project and nobody was highfalutin we, everybody was really kind of grounded, <laughs> salt yeah. of the earth people, and uh, I I was just part of the team. I was just I had my part to play, as you had your part to play. You did, and you did. So it didn't feel like something different. I, I didn't feel like oh, it's on my shoulders. Through it, but I, you know, the 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 final product may have looked like I was in every um, scene. All of us were in every scene. Yeah, yeah. yeah we <laughs> you know, were. You know, that's not a scene you were and I wasn't part of. That's yeah. the illusion of film. To this day, after having done you know almost forty years of this stuff, I still forget. Oh, outside of the boundary of the screen, there's people holding booms and holding scripts and plugging yeah. stuff we're and working just as hard in their own oh way. Oh my god, yeah. that's right. Yeah. And just because our eyes are fixed on one person, so I guess maybe that's the answer. Yeah. Right? I, I never. Well, it's a felt big team. It is a big team, so I never felt burdened by this role. In fact, it was it was again an opportunity to go down roads that I had not previously gone down. And it, and it does. It's interesting because you say that when you're standing there in front of the lens, you you as opposed to some of us actually having a, a support team. You know, you have Mick, you know, right. you helping you, you know, helping you find it. You have us looking at you, making sure you're you. you do you have what you need? You look great. You this that. Touching, you know, making sure that everything's perfect for you to do your your bit, your job, you know. So it's that support team as we support each other because it's such a collaborative medium. 
that's what is magic about it. You know, that's the, you know, the yeah. circus quality yeah. of it that we all, you know, we all benefit each other, you know. It, of many pleasurable productions I've been a part of, this probably was the easiest to enjoy mm. because of who the company was and because of being in one place, being able to put all of our energy into what the movie looks like, how it was shot, you know, not have to hurry up and scramble and get things guerrilla style on the run, right. which we did in the stand so much. Listen, but, we laughed. We laughed, all of us. <laughs> I mean, we had a great time. Really did. I mean, we really did. Everybody. There were moments when it was just um, contagious. We were, we were just happy to be there. Well, I remember one time in particular, we were inside the uh, meat locker. Oh, yeah. And one laugh started. And soon everybody was crying mm. tears. We're in this claustrophobic real meat locker yeah. in the real hotel yeah. kitchen. And it was just, we're crying yeah. inside there. There's lots of stuff. And plus, it was cold, man. We did night shoots yeah, in the really shed cold. in the back. Or I was whatever. just thinking that night shoot in the shed. Smokes, was it cold? I mean, <laughs> doing lines from the thing. Oh, right. well, that's right. That's right. Well, and Sam Raimi driving the. Uh, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, doing lines from the thing. That's right. Yeah, that's but right. well, this was your first experience with makeup effects, I believe. I think so. Yeah, you know, it so couldn't have been in more hilarious and beautiful hands. Than yeah, well, so. how exciting to have an actor who says who knows Lon Chaney, oh, and you're Lon like, Chaney's oh yeah. my god, yeah. you're like, wow, we got on so well, like scarily well. Well, I'm, was it what you expected? I mean, was it lots of fun to do that? Or was it like, I hate sitting in the chair for three no, hours? No, it or? was lots of fun. <laughs> He's still bugging me to do stuff. Oh, forget <laughs> it. I, I, I am. Uh, hey, you need anybody to bottle? Uh, and uh, it was fantastic. And also we got along. We, we hung out when we had time to hang out. You know, we hung out and we made each other laugh. We were constantly doing impressions. But... I was able to uh, uh, to observe you and everybody else who was uh, who was uh, all the other makeup artists. Uh, Doug, no, uh, uh, we did a great group, a, great. amazing Steve, group. Yeah, Steve good. Johnson, we had such Steve, an amazing you know, group, you know. And 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 to look at all the tools, you know, yeah, they had books and pictures and references and, you know, and I look at one night uh, because we had a turnaround issue. Uh, I was asked to sleep in these appliances. Oh yeah, I, I, and and this was for the nightmare sequence. Yeah. So it was, it was cheekbones and forehead and eye orbits, Ugh. and and I said, okay, <laughs> I didn't sleep a wink. Uh, oh, it was a course. nightmare sleeping, but <laughs> in that I, hotel, in that hotel. I was happy to do it. Uh, I yes. Well, I, I think we pressured you because I probably, I probably guilted you by saying Ruby D did it. Uh, that's it. <laughs> you and probably did. did. And you she probably did. Ruby D. Man. Well, yeah, come on, older woman did it. Yeah, but it's Ruby D. Yeah, at sixty-five, kick my did. ass, yeah. <laughs> throw me through a window, that woman. Well, having worked with Billy on the stand before, and with Matt Frewer in the cast of Matt the Frewer. stand, it was all voices all the time between the three of us, and then doing it again. I already knew Billy and loved Billy and knew about the voices. Yeah. Now. Weber comes into the mix. Weber. Yeah. Weber comes in. <laughs> Mr. Weber comes yeah, into the right. mix. Yeah. And also a great voice actor. 
and brings in Larry Fine. Into I the didn't mix. bring in Larry Fine. No, that probably he, was, was, was him. Oh. That was me. And I don't know where it came Everybody from. Does Larry yeah. Everybody does hey, Larry. Hey, they'll pull my hair. Hey. hey. You know, I need to hey. tell. I need, so I was thinking. Of, I was thinking about it on the way here. I meant to tell you guys because we were stewing Stooges stuff so much just because I share what was happening behind the scenes. But after we did The Shining, my next film or two, it may have been the next film I did, was <laughs> Amistad. Oh, wow. Very serious. You know, oh, no. Oh, Steven hilarious outtakes in Amistad. <laughs> yes. oh. So, you know, and it, about the slave trade. Sure. And it's, it was very heady and very serious and everybody took it serious. But one of the actors I was responsible for. John Hansu. John Hansu does a great Was the gr- great actor, David Paymer. Oh, oh, yeah. So I was working oh, yeah. on David Paymer. Now we had a, an amazing cast. But I look at David Paper one day in the chair and I go, you know, David, you would make a great Larry Fine. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, do you think? And I go, if they ever do a student, I don't know why I had it in my head. And so I taught David Paymer how to do Larry Fine. So wait, so he, and we're practicing on the Amistad set. <laughs> Next is Spielberg and Sir Nigel Hawthorne. Oh, and, you know, yeah. like all these great character actors. And he, hey, hey, how's this sound? You know, and he, oh, God. he was oh, going on. To wait to the point where years oh. later I bump into into David and he says, you know something, I have to thank you because I was part of a read-through for a Three Stooges movie oh, and I got wow. to be Larry. Wow. And, and um, uh, Phil, <laughs> Phil Hartman was Mo. Oh my God. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now I'm trying to remember, it It may have been Chris Farley as Curly, I don't remember, oh, but, man. and it was the Farley brothers did it and, you know, because they kept doing read-throughs through the years. Right. But he goes, I was so happy to have my Larry down. <laughs> That's hilarious. Is that a bit? It's really well. Yeah, you know, I have to think that the the person that we were both, I guess, got it from oh, was Billy West. Billy West, of course. Yeah, right, the we great were doing Billy, Billy West. West. Yeah, and he had broken it down. So it's like with the walking exp- uh, impression. Now everybody can do the walking impression because somewhere along the way somebody broke it down to the phrase. That's right. You, right. Can say you do the mimic phrase. who That's did right. the original. Yeah. Impression. That's right. Yeah, because yeah. they've done all the work. And then you just copy them. But you know. Billy would go off. I mean, he would go and go and keep going. I mean, I I was in it, but nobody was able to top this guy. He was hilarious. Billy lived oh, it. We had the Billy. best time. We had the best time. You know what? 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 What's what ruined sadly the voices for me because I used to do voices all the time was my children, my daughters, because they don't know any yeah. of the voices that oh. we do. So I would do as they were little kids. All these character voices, and they were like, "Dad, stop that! You're embarrassing me." Or who is that? It's so sad. Like, no idea. Don't yes. you know Pee Wee Herman? <laughs> no, they no. don't even know Pee Wee Herman. So, <laughs> Larry Fine would just their waste. heads would spin. What a waste! Yeah, no, it was sad. So, <laughs> and nowadays I'd probably get in trouble. <laughs> you might well, say the wrong thing. Well, right. the biggest makeup scene we had was the ghost ball. Yes. And the wardrobe, Warden Neal oh did God. an amazing, amazing job with the wardrobe on that. It's a period piece. It takes place in the 40s. Uh. And the glamorous car is pulling up and everything. It's really was a fun thing to do. And so, and, and again, so well organized. Because oh if you remember, we, each, we had three nights. And each yep. night was a different stage of, right. the, of the party. Oh and the biggest stage never made the cut. What do you mean? Well, the, Stephen King's meltdown. Yeah. yeah. Wait, but his jaw comes off and everything, isn't that yeah. it? It's not in. It's not in the game. What? Haven't you seen it? Uh, not for years. <laughs> I, I really don't watch anything I'm yeah. in, man. I, I don't. And, and and But that, I, okay. He went through five hours I of remember. Makeup. Yeah, he did. And yeah. he enjoyed it. He yeah. loved it. Yeah, oh, he was having a blast. But yeah. and And it's my fault because as I watch the cut, 
suddenly we're in a monster movie. And yeah, you were yeah, watching yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. watching a monster meltdown yeah. and it's zombies and, and all. And yeah. it, it was so enough just the imagery. Yeah. Yeah. with the humanity of the story that I didn't want it to be cheapened. Oh, but yeah. And you were also intercutting so with all the other stuff. You yeah. Know, so, yeah. yeah. I mean, there, there, was, there was a great effect I forget her name. Beautiful. Yes. Like Rita oh, gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, um, the Rita Hayworth lookalike. And yeah. Lisa Thornhill. Oh, yeah. She, she, was, crush on Lisa. Oh, she wow. was a real fine. Unbelievably yeah, beautiful amazing. and really good. And that makeup was very cool. Well, at one, because I mean, you did this. At one point, she has to look at me and she's gorgeous and pale, obviously mm, ghostly, ghostly, but uh, beautiful red hair. And she smiles. And when she smiles, mm. the area around her upper and lower lip cracks yeah showing red underneath it it is so stark like i'm getting a little goose bumply <laughs> goose bumply <I'm>, <laughs> that I'm works little, i'm a little drunk fantastic again nuanced and i hear what you're saying that it, uh, anything beyond would turn into horror film but man that was a uh, i remember seeing steve's jaw there I'm were tons of goo, just, oh, oh, so yeah. much pumping yeah. out of him. He was, he was into melting it, man. He was very happy. We had uh, here's my two my two great memories of that. Number one, I needed a lot of extra help for that because that was so much work. We did hundreds of people. Well, you brought in. I, so I brought in V Neal, and, and right? I brought was in yes, yeah, yeah. three time Academy Award yeah, winner yeah, V Neal. Yeah, yeah. She did that makeup, that Lisa Thornhill makeup, which was just I mean, it was so gorgeous. good. Yeah. And and um. You know, my very close buddy, Joel Harlow, who did yeah. Stephen's Meltdown Disintegration, who is now also an Academy Award winner. God bless him. Because yeah. um, Joel's doing so amazing. But um, You've got yeah, a nice little group. It was a great <laughs> little group. It was a great little group. Um, and, and, you know, and of course, all guided by Steve Johnson, who's a genius, you know. Yeah, it was an amazing experience. And speaking of makeups, uh, we have... A guest here who just happens to be on the farm. Uh, well, well, the farm. well. To just set this up, uh, to this day, I get, I get because uh, of Instagram, people sending me, you know, DMs and messages, and and nine times out of ten, their their iconic m makeup that I've done yeah. is the woman in the bathtub. Yeah, right. And you know, I have such a great memory of you know being introduced to this gorgeous woman yeah. who is going to play this horrific wrinkled up old lady yeah. how are you gonna <laughs> do that and exactly, i'm like yeah. what do you mean and are you excuse me are you telling me she's your wife <laughs> <laughs> yeah yes we good. have the very talented actress who just happens to be my wife of what 40, of 40 years what what <laughs> oh, excuse me <laughs> cynthia garris so fangoria cover girl fangoria that's cover. right thank you for bringing yeah. that up yeah. you know she, i'm the she, only one who got the cover yeah. in this whole and room rightly so yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so tell me about that experience because you kind of created some new things. Uh, in, in well, well, it, I didn't know what we were going to do. I remember that again. Plastic the, wrap. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Sorry, <laughs> I, I remember the movie so vividly, and that was such a horrific moment. And the, using the old lady for yeah, the beautiful right. woman. And here you had brought up, no, we should do a makeup on Cynthia. But just know that Cynthia had had a bad experience. Um, oh, on Critters once too. before yeah. Critters too, which I didn't know what she her bad experience was, but it was a bad experience with makeup. So to me, right. it could have been a fake nose, and she had a nervous breakdown. So I was My very I'm not, scared. I'm not and, that and, big of a no, but when I heard <laughs> it was a giant mask, and she was enclosed, and it was you know, so that it, that then it made sense. But so I was very cognizant of okay, we need to do something that's very you know easy for her, and 
but yet it's got to look so horrific. She's been, a, you know, in a bathtub and, you know, they swell up and they, they you know, they, they get all wrinkly. And so I'm like, how can I come up with something that would be really cool and not so difficult for her or claustrophobic? Like she's covered in a bunch of appliances. And I don't, I kind of know what made me come up with the idea of what if I just put some glue on her? She's all painted. And then I put some plastic wrap, like sheets of saran wrap on her. And then, and the glue holds a saran wrap. And then I, you know, and it, you do this cool thing where if you put latex in water, it turns white, which is, I thought they did in the original movie, which looks really creepy. There's little patches of latex really badly done and it just turns white on the woman and it's all patchy and it looks really gross. So I thought, well, if I could cover the saran wrap in latex and then it'll turn white and flaky. And, and so we did this little test on a friend of mine and it was so horrifying <laughs> that we thought this could actually work, but I do need to change Cynthia's face. So we did this little simple you know, in prosthetic terms, it's a little raccoon piece, like a zombie makeup. Right. Um, and it was a little bit bigger than that. But and I used like the the, the most, you know, the, the you know, non-chemical glue. You know, it was just like a, a water based adhesive, you know, that I knew that it wouldn't really be bad for. Um, and so we did the test at the studio. And and if you remember this. And I. We put this all makeup on and we were, and we we did a test of just your, maybe it was just your face and, and neck and, and we were all excited and we all thought it looked really cool. And, and I don't know if you remember this the way I remember it, but I was so nervous because obviously, you know, your wife, I didn't want you to be freaked out. And you were like, no, no, this is fine. I can take this. This is okay. And I'm like, thank God. D disaster avoided. So we go to remove it and I'm taking off this makeup, which again is a water-based glue. You know, it's so, you know, for sensitive skin, it's great. And that sucker was not coming off. <laughs> no, I don't remember. That. It was not because oh me, I was mortified. And this sucker was not coming off. And I'm trying to remove it. Oh, I know why. I know. Right? Yes. And it was not. And I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And I'm like, and you showed. I was taught a long time ago. If the person is bleeding out of their eyes, you don't say anything. You're just very calm. So I was like a doctor. I was like, no, this is great. This is the way it's supposed to be. I'm taking my time because I'm going to make sure your skin is perfect. Meanwhile, inside, I'm like, oh, my God, it's not coming off. And I'm trying to take it off. An hour and a half, two hours later of just cajoling her and being nice to her and, you know, and trying to, you know, keep her mind occupied. And I finally get this makeup off and I'm like, I, I, it was the most stressful moments of my entire career. And I couldn't figure out why. And I go, I don't know. I understand. I, don't know why. It, I go, you know something? I'm going to do a couple things differently with moisturizers and, and seal and uh, primers next time. And I think it'll, uh, it'll make the removal much easier next time. In my head, I'm wondering, I have no idea what I'm going to do. And she says to me, finally, she goes, I don't know why it stuck so good. She goes, I just had a facial. My skin should have been perfect. <laughs> now for all the makeup people out there, if you have a facial, it strips your skin right. of mm -hmm. all the dead skin cells and everything that allows a makeup to come off nice and easily. Oh, so she God. was the basically raw yeah. skin that I glued onto oh, and God. it would not release oh, from the perfect no, I actually, I actually used, I've always used a buff puff, which is <laughs> Just uh, slightly more. softer than you know, a pot scrubber. Yes. <laughs> and I, I use that regularly. And so, and so I had that, done that. Yeah, and I, and I, I, I go, in my head, I finally, like, the heavens opened up and I saw the sun. Oh, and I yeah. went, okay, oh. you know something? Do me a favor. When we do this for real on movie, don't do that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah just let your, for the week before, just let your face be natural. Yeah. Well, wow. a lot of people assume that Cynthia got into the genre after our relationship. Steven Spielberg once said that to her, saying, did Mick uh, get you into uh, appreciating horror and the like? But her dream 
was to be a monster. Oh, uh, yeah. When yeah. she was a kid. So tell me about that and how you prepared for it mentally and then the experience of having the world's greatest makeup artist. Uh, Incredible. Doing well, first of all, Billy, I couldn't have done this if it weren't for you because I, I was horribly affected by this. I've done three uh, films where I did had special effects makeup. The first was a thriller. thriller. Yeah. Doing... No problem at all. Um, the second one was in Critters 2. And or that, she was locked into. Yeah, a, it was so. It was just very claustrophobic. Yeah, and I was. I developed claustrophobia really seriously for a couple of years. Um, so I just said, I want to do this part so badly in The Shining, but I can't sit for another head cast. I can't be covered, you know, all over with appliances. And if, so, if it weren't for you thinking about mm -hmm. that. I couldn't have done it, and it's my favorite part I've ever played, mm -hmm. yeah. even though it's smaller than some of the other things I've done. But it's what so everybody thank remembers. You. It's so memorable. Oh, I get people still coming up and saying, yeah. you you did that? Yeah. And I couldn't <laughs> sleep for a week after. But you were thinking so. back. I mean, the fact that you let us use to do the contact lenses on you, which really makes it. And um, yeah. we put, I think we put dye in your mouth, and your mouth was all creepy. Oh, wonderful. Every, in your, I, you know, I, how delicately I spent time on your feet. For the close-ups of you walking, I was so proud of the, your feet. Oh, well, yeah. it's a jigsaw puzzle, that sequence. Yeah. You know, any any scene where you're building fear and building mm -hmm. to an explosion of terror, that was the centerpiece horror uh, sequence mm -hmm. in the movie. Mm -hmm. And the building blocks of that, the, the makeup was so important. The physicality of it was so important. The expressions were so mm -hmm. important. And they all came together beautifully. But when you first see you opening the <laughs> the curtain to the bathtub and it screes open mm. but tell me about the whole situation in the tub because there's this debris. Oh, it's horrific yeah it's uh, it's not yeah. just your makeup but it's what you're sunk yeah. in you were part of yeah the, the what you know was what's so horrific was us just coming up with it was shaving cream. <laughs> it, was, it was like some pigment makeup powders and some dirt, some dusts and dirts. And, you know, you all mix it together. It looked so gnarly looking, but it was all, you know, perfectly it fine and harmless. And, it was warm. Yeah. That's all I care about. <laughs> right. I just want to answer your first question briefly. Um, my dad was a huge fan of the 50s horror and sci-fi movies. Her dad, by the way, was Lou Zamperini, the subject of the oh, film yeah. Unbroken. Amazing, yeah, yeah, which yeah. makes us love him even more. Oh, yeah. Right? Which wonderful, is how I wonderful got dad. to be a producer on that movie. <laughs> but he turned me into a lifelong horror and sci-fi fan. So I grew up going to the movies, uh, seeing all, everything from the 50s, and um, having crushes on different movies, and... When I was a teenager, I really got a big crush on Hammer films, and I wanted to either be a ballerina <laughs> and go to London and be in the Royal Ballet, although later on I found out they, they were all like five foot two, <laughs> and, and I'm Cynthia's five, five ten. Foot ten yeah. um, or I wanted to uh, run away to London and be in Hammer films. So. Be a Hammer girl. Oh, my God. So, How were you lucky enough to find this goddess of a woman? <laughs> like like yeah. the per model of perfection who loved horror movies. That's there you go. I, I recognized him from his, uh, his Z Channel show. Z Channel show where he had... And he was Every, a music, let's face it, he was a rock and roll well, singer. Well, I yeah. found out about so that afterwards. And at the time the I was movies. doing it, oh yeah. he'd already, that part of his career had already passed. But anyway, so it's a lifelong, it was a lifelong dream come true to actually play 
you know, a monster, a creature. A Fangoria cover girl. And yeah. to add, I mean, I'd collected Famous Monsters magazines when I was yes, a kid. We all did. To yeah. find out that I was going to have the cover of Fangoria, which was the equivalent. You would have. I don't oh. think Famous Monsters was was going at that moment because you would have been on the cover of Famous Monsters. No, it wasn't. It I think amazing. Fangoria was yeah. the replacement. It was the main. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was the, yeah. So that was thrilling. Was. And I, I remember picking up five copies of it on Hollywood <laughs> Boulevard and rushing up to my parents' house and giving them a copy. And my mother just like looking at it and saying, oh, Gee, my beautiful daughter. <laughs> well, she has a great personality. Yeah, oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. To this day, my mom still says, don't you do pretty things? <laughs> you know, it's funny, playing a monster, I, I mean, especially in this show, in The Shining, I was so excited to play those Mm -hmm. moments of grabbing Danny and stalking the halls. Yeah. And, and those are the moments that I'm referring to now. Well, they, they were heightened and they were fun to play and certainly having incredible makeup on you, you know, it, it, it doesn't, doesn't make you, it's not, you know, I don't turn into a subtle kind of, just a, a butterfly. No, no you, it makes you yeah. want to smash doors and people with you a giant mallet. You become that thing. You become that thing. Yeah. Um, but I, I, it was so much fun. It was so much fun, especially if you're a horror fan or a makeup fan. It was uh, it was everything. It was everything. Well, yeah. tell me what scenes might have intimidated you, because there's so many colors in yeah. in the palette that you played. Were there any that really cowed you, or that you were nervous about? Um, you know, I have to say, after I just got finished saying it was so much fun it was so much fun that those moments uh kind of intimidated me really? because because i was i felt like i was stepping into something that was um i wasn't i wasn't inhabiting it i wasn't inhabiting it the way that the scene that we were discussing in front of the fireplace yeah was more easily inhabitable by me and yet to me it would seem that would be even more difficult because there are so many different shades yeah. going on and twists and turns but... well you don't understand me okay? <laughs> but also by that point of the fireplace scene you had grown you know we'd been we together had found, a while, that's right. right and you had grown into that you know that unit those, yeah. those moments comfortable with right and th those those so-called monster moments mm. you know aren't real they're they're right. they're and they're harder to kind of ne negotiate at least in a in a in a credible way. I mean, you gave obviously me lots of le leeway and you were satisfied with it. And that's great. More than happy. You well, that, But that's again, and to, not to toot our own horn, but that's the power also of makeup and hair. And it helped by looking in the mirror and him looking at, you know, the loving father, Jack Torrance. And then we would get through with him. Now he's looking in the mirror and he, you see the demon staring back at you. Yeah. So gotta be easier. I mean, for most actors, like once they become that character, they don't know who that is until they see it. Well, the, that, that's it, that, that you, it's funny you say that because uh, if I could go back and change something, it would be to let the effects, let the makeup do it. Right. And I would worry about the internalization of it, the emotional part of it, the human part of it. You know, it, it's like classic mask work when um, in, in theater training. If uh, I, I did classes where uh, we had an actor in my, my class in college who really was kind of a milk toasty sweet young lady and and she didn't seem to be able to go past this dynamic 
until they gave her a mask, mm. a certain kind of mask, which had a really intense and stern expression on it. She looked at the mirror and be- looked at herself in the mirror and began to inhabit this in a way that allowed her to change. It was really magical. Yeah. And in a sense, I didn't do that. I took this makeup. Holy, I, I'm, this is great. I'm going to go. You know, and I went full like... <laughs> Rudolph Klein Rog, like Metropolis. And it was fun, but I I would have... It worked really well, and there were adjustments made. It wasn't always just letting you cut loose. That's true. Look, you you directed Well, there's a job to be done. There's a job to be done. Down boy, you would say. (laughs) Get a cap gun and a whip. (laughs) Wolfar, now, stop, (laughs) and a stool. You always had your stool, your trademark stool. (laughs) Hmm, I don't know. Wait a minute. That doesn't sound. Like I would it. just spritz him like a cat. Yeah, <laughs> stop, stop, down, down. Oh, brother. Well, why do you? Why are you drawn to stories of horror? I mean, you're, you're a very, you're one of the funniest human beings on the planet. See, I told you. <laughs> he told never you. stops telling me. Oh, there it goes. <laughs> and, you know, you're known for your comedy work more than this, but aside from the human drama of it, why are you drawn to to dark stories? Well, uh, first of all, like Cynthia's dad, I always loved kind of 50s horror movies. I loved B-movies. I loved, you know, and even into the 60s, you know, The Flesh Eaters, or I loved, uh, uh, you know, uh, Them, or, you know, everything. I loved, I loved the early Ray Harryhausen stuff. I loved it. Faith Damerg, yeah. and uh, you know, I, I was, I love, and to this day, it's comfort food to me. So I always gravitated towards those movies, perhaps because they were on TV, and I, I watched them. They are like old friends. They are like they, old they friends. They feel like old friends, they, and they make you feel cozy and warm. I, absolutely, inside. absolutely. Um, They're cinematic comfort food. They yeah. really are. But again, as I grew older and began to have more therapy and, and, uh, and you know, and, and stuff would happen to me, I would have real life experiences. I realized that I was drawn to a certain kind of character and I'll call him the broken man. Yeah. And it's kind of loosely based maybe on my own father and also the types of characters which I grew up admiring that were in literature and theater, whether it's Jamie, Jamie Tyrone and Long Day's Journey Into Night or, uh, you know, or, 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 or Humphrey Bogart, or, you know, those type of guys that... Willie Loman. Willie Lo- well, Willie Loman, I mean, he's more of a sad sack, but I'm talking right. about the guys with the Who's edge. Broken. With broken, yeah, not, you know, the, and, and there's something that was uh, sexy about them and attractive about them. The reality about that type of person is that they're a mess, and right. it's not fun to be around somebody who you know, finds redemption in drink or poetry. Yeah, that's great on the page, but real life, that stinks. So um, so I had this attraction to this kind of guy, this kind of character. And that character has its, I'm going to use a big word, Billy, hang on, apotheosis. Uh, I just crapped my pants. Wait a second. Um, in, in monstrous, you know, monstrous characters, portrayals. And Jack Torrance, when he goes to that that place, well, you can Woo, when you can make the unreal real. That's that's the beauty of Stephen King's work. Yeah, is that he sets he sets things just one step outside of reality, and yet in a very real world, and yet grounded wholly 
in the in the human experience emotions i mean and again it took me years to realize that that's what the shining was about man it's not a monster movie no it's something else and something deeper and it took me you know a couple of decades past that to really understand that i mean even you look at the stand or it i mean i did a recording of it yeah which took me two weeks and after reading that out loud doing the audio book doing the audio book then you begin to go past the amazing imagery. The scary to, shit. To the scary shit, to the deeply moving um, kind of psychological and emotional aspects in this man's work. Yes, he can scare the crap out of you, but it's yeah. all rooted in, in a human experience. And Billy, what was it about? Was it monsters that drew you into it? Uh, being a creator, being an artist, um, making creatures? I, I was always into the the fantastic and yeah yes monsters and well the the being a, you know a little artist and <clears throat> being able and loving movies and seeing movies and seeing you know the old Universal you know every Sunday I'd watch my creature features and I'd watch my you know Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein mm-hmm. and then and then and then learning that I could oh I could get a paper bag and I could do paper mache and I could make myself look like Frankenstein like. It just organically kind of happened, much like what I've discovered. Everybody in my business had a very similar upbringing. Mm. Like you all gravitate towards if you if you have an art inkling and a talent, and you love movies, and you and, and that kind of thing just starts to happen, you know. And you gravitate towards, you know. And again, the the Hammer movies were even out of, out of my reach. I wasn't, you know, even aware. Like, oh, there's 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 Dracula movies that actually have red blood. Like that like, freaked me <laughs> out. Black and but white. the black and white, you know, were, were so great. And the, the designs and the art of those, all the classic movies and, and just recreating those. And then as we got into the seventies and, you know, the, the guys doing that kind of work became, uh, uh, um, you know, more visible, like Rick Baker and, and King Kong when he did King Kong and, and then star Wars. And it was like, Oh my God, like that's a, that's a real thing that I, you could do. I mean, you can actually have a job. And there were celebrities in yeah, that celebrities field. within yeah. my, that industry. That that you know, God bless Rick. That he it all of a sudden started getting press. You know, and and you know, you could sh- I could show mom and dad and say, look, this guy is doing. Look, look how cool this is. And the fact that my parents saw that and got it, you know, and 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 allowed me to Dick pursue Smith. that and encouraged yeah. me. And, he was and, the first. And Dick those Smith. artists would encourage you, you know, and you'd read an article, an interview with them, and they'd. They talk about how all these young guys are coming up and out of the, you know, woodwork that love this stuff. And I'm like, but that—that's me. You know, I was that little yeah. guy, little kid. Um. So yeah, and I just, and this the fact that you know, like like in anything, if you you enjoy something so much and you just keep doing it and stick with it, you know, eventually things just start to happen. You know, uh-huh. you meet the right people and you make the right connections. And I have a question for you. What what? How often do you or how close do you keep to uh, evolving technology? Like how have your methods changed over the years because you've chosen to change them or, or uh, what am I trying to say? I, I, do old things work better than some new things or, or do you keep up with? Well, you do. I think you, we constantly keep evolving as an industry. Like we, we use new materials and, you know, now we use, you know, much more modern materials than we used to use. Although there is the odd time where you go back. I, you know, I, I'll still pull out the Lon Chaney stuff, you know, right. like you put the... Dick Smith, you know, teeth with the plumpers in them, you know, and, you know, you know, that all stuff still works and it works great and actors love it, you know. And there's the marriage of digital media. Well, and I also do digital, exactly. And I've gone in and post and done things, you know. Um, 
but but there's no there's no replacing the actor and sitting down with the actor and talking about the character and trying stuff out i mean i did a film where literally we, we had you know cotton balls and we were sticking them in the mouth and putting them in the ears and we were you know and just playing or putting them up people's noses <laughs> and playing around to come up with the look and then it's like okay how best do we achieve that look for the movie now and then we have we have modern materials we have the old-fashioned stuff and you know i, I mean some of the most incredibly advanced uh, makeups that are being done today in the movies uh, have a little bit of the old school. I mean, mm, a very yeah. good friend of mine, we, I did this film Bombshell with, and he did this gorgeous makeup on Charlize Theron, it's right? A really as, good. Oh, God, movie. yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, and as Megan Kelly. And he, 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 if this isn't like, you know, from, from one side of the spectrum to the other, he computer printed this gorgeous little piece of origami um, uh, plastic. And she would, and it was just an incredible bit of, of engineering. And she would take this thing and ram it up her nose. And <laughs> it would completely change the shape of her nostrils wow. to give her more of a Megan Kelly nose mm-hmm. from the inside, which is as Lon Chaney as you're going to get. As Lon Chaney as you're going to get. And, and really? it was, and probably painful. And, Old school. And yet for it, sure. it little, it jutted out her nose and it gave her the shape wow. that, that she needed without putting a fake, you know, she had lots of appliances on, but she didn't need an appliance on her nose because of the little inserts and she would do it before every shot and then take them out and stick them in a bucket. Wow, little but bucket. digitally printed. Yeah, yeah. amazing. So, so there you go. There's yeah. a, a marriage. Yeah, yeah, it's a perfect marriage. So Steve, tell me the reaction you had when you first saw the finished show. I mean, I was uh, thrilled. I was thrilled that I was in this, at this level uh, in terms of my career. You know, I was, I was thrilled at being involved in it and, and as I recall, it got a pretty good reception, you know? No, it, it was the first 10 ever given by TV Guide. Well, there you go. Okay. <laughs> That's amazing. But um, <laughs> I mean, the ratings were great. Yeah. Uh, and uh, probably the best reviews overall yeah. uh, any project I've done has ever got. Yeah. I, 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 and again, to be honest, I don't, I, I never really watched myself that much. I don't know why. But, but I, I mean, I know why now. I can't stand seeing. What looks like a bag of laundry with hair walking around, <laughs> and, and, you know? Because every morning I, I I look in the mirror and I say, well, what, "What's my mother doing here?" No. Oh, that's you, me. You look exactly uh, thanks, the same yeah, as twenty five years. I'm ago. not fishing, much. but you do. Oh, thanks. But you, uh, you know what was great when that movie when that came out when that finally premiered. You know, again, we all get excited about the cover of Fangoria and everything. We were the cover of the TV Guide. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Which was, at that time... <laughs> the right. biggest publication the in the world. The biggest publication in the world. Yeah. And, when, and <clears throat> as a kid, you lived for the TV Guide. So yeah. to see it on the cover of TV Guide, and not just on the cover of TV Guide, we had the little bit inside, too. Yeah. They had, like, yeah. photos inside yeah. and a little, a little big story. Article. Yeah. It was fantastic. And it was a Bernie Wrighton cover. Oh. Yeah, Bernie Wrightson painted yeah. the cover. Oh. Yeah. It was like, an artwork yeah, cover. Up. It was just... That was amazing. Jennifer, Bernie so, Bill... What was your reaction when you finally saw it? Uh, well, look, I was incredibly proud to to have been part of it because I thought we did what we meant out to do, which is we did a very faithful uh, uh, recreation of the book, and and I really I was just happy that you were happy and Stephen was happy and and just yeah I, I was excited that it was cool that everybody that I know that saw it you know because of me loved it. And yeah. told all their friends, and everybody watched it. And then, and then, you know, and look, I'm sad for everybody that didn't win an Emmy, but mm-hmm. right, I won an Emmy for it, and my whole yeah. team 
you know, won Emmys for it, which is, you know, the highest compliment that your peers can mm. give you. So we did, we obviously did something right. Yeah. <laughs> and there was a lot of amazing work that year, you know, and, and I remember yeah. even my boss, Steve Johnson at the time said, you know, we're never going to win an Emmy for this. Like, this is not that kind of movie. And I go, nah, I don't know. I, you know, mm. I think we mm. did some good work. Yeah. We between, were up against yeah. very high profile, you know. So the Stand projects. and the Shining both. <clears throat> stand and the Shining both. Yeah. yeah. So. <clears throat> and we Cynthia, didn't. I know you were not sure how your scene would work out if it would be scary what was your reaction when you finally saw everything put together from the watching it from the outside in the whole show well the whole show but particularly but my scene um, i just think because of you because of <laughs> I'm your, not I'm pitching really, either. <laughs> no but because of your direction the way you <clears throat> excuse me put that scene together it wasn't it was almost like once he sees me uh the biggest scare w was him dealing with walking across the room and saying, not there, not there, not mm. there. I mean, that to me was the scariest part of the scene. I was thrilled with the way I looked. You know, I thought I thought I was a beautiful ghost. I mean, I really do think yeah. so. Yeah. Um, uh, but I, I do think that that whole scene, the way you directed it, the way Cortland played it, uh, and the I think way it was, you played it. And the way I played it, okay. <laughs> and my feet, the way my feet played it, too. <laughs> yeah. I actually had a, a girlfriend who didn't know anything about the miniseries, didn't know I was in it. She just watched it and didn't realize it was directed by you. She recognized me when my, by my feet. <laughs> She's, my, my long, skinny feet came out of the tub and she said i knew that was you <laughs> but anyway i yeah. i just thought the scene was fantastic yeah, when and really scary yeah a lot of people <laughs> shouted when they oh that. yeah no yeah you rarely get a that's jump a real on scare television. that's a real jump yeah. yeah yeah you know usually it's the shared experience in a movie theater uh that you can make the jump but that one seemed oh, to have some big power. one yeah. There's some, there's a lot of great jump moments in that. I mean, mm -hmm. my my favorite I have of all the photos I have of the movie. My favorite image I have is this 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 really great shot of you, Cynthia, and I, and you're you're all ghastly, and mm -hmm. I'm I'm quite the makeup artist there, mm -hmm. and the most gleeful, childlike Stephen King in, in the center of the photo, <laughs> beaming with pride. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was so I think he was so excited to see it. And to see such yeah. care taken and, and, and being, Mick did such a, you know, he just did it well, so well. Everybody was yeah. so into it and everybody was on the same page, yeah. literally. Uh, but everybody wanted to make him happy and make yeah. something really special. What's your strongest memory of the experience, Steve? Oh, gosh. Uh, I have several. One is the overall creepy feeling I had living at that hotel. And I'm not yeah. kidding. <laughs> Uh, it was strange. There were there were places, especially when we were shooting. I remember in the uh, the kitchen area. Yeah, you know there were places, little areas, little that you just did not want to go to. Mm -hmm. uh, go in and poke around. Maybe it was all in my head. The overall, but overall, it was a feeling of camaraderie and good humor, and support. Uh, we really supported uh, each other. I felt very supported, and I have to say, even apart from my friendship with you and Cynthia, uh, I, I fell madly in love with Billy Corso. I mean, we were, we were, we had 
so much fun. Man. These are we true friendships. Huge yeah. amounts of fun. Yeah. And we won't mention the Rocky Mountain oysters. I yeah yeah. <laughs> we went out where were we in Colorado and we went to an all meat place. I think even the seats were made of meat. The walls were made of meat. And on the and we decided to try everything we could on the menu. Alligator, bison, oh. Rocky Mountain oysters, rattlesnake, rattles, everything. We just going and we <laughs> ate it all until we just said that's no that, more that, meat for like all. a couple of that's, months. That's right. Ever. It was <laughs> over for a while, but I'll never forget that. Yeah. What, oh. Billy? What's your strongest memory? Of I, the I just the just the joy of making it. I mean, I have a million memories. I have a million memories of being up all night with the topiary and oh. and us running down the hallways and playing jokes on people and and playing. <laughs> yeah, we have with the Courtland. lion right out front of the office. Yeah, uh, you know, Courtland was so much fun, and and I remember you and I drawing. We would draw sketches Track back and sketches, forth. Yeah. I mean, just everything. I mean, we just had a, we had a lot of laughs. I uh, you know, I have great memory is well obviously Stephen King I have so many great memories of him and him telling me little stories that he would come up with on the spot I remember a very nervous Frank Darabont as I shaved him for the first time in 20 years yeah because for his cameo and where it was the night he was going to ask Stephen for the rights to direct the Green Mile and and so I have there's so many moments like that you know that it's that, that whole show is nothing but great moments and so to end it you know with on such a high you know and, and the, movie, the show to come out great we they get the emmy i mean that was it's just an amazing experience from beginning to end and very few movies are like that yeah well, it was a, a, such an amazing experience for all of us and i really appreciate you guys coming back together to uh the band getting the band back together to celebrate 25 years of stephen king's the shining so, so steve billy cynthia thank you so we'll much see you in 25 oh, more years wonderful. <laughs> for the 50th yeah what i remember <laughs> the shining yeah i had hair then I had hair now i have hair but it's not on my head it's all <laughs> On my ears. Now, we, my now we all look like the lady of the right, lady. That's right. And <laughs> Cynthia is so beautiful. What's hair. going on? <laughs> Thank you for listening to Postmortem with Mick Garris. Download new episodes every Wednesday and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Thank you for listening to the Dread Podcast Network.